1: Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from cleveland.com along with Stephen Means and Andrew Gillis. This is your first Market Down Monday. Do you feel the excitement? Do you feel the electricity? Do you feel the pressure? The pressure's on.
2: Yeah, I uh, I was trying to think of a pun on how to start Market Down Monday, and I couldn't think of one, so that's a rough start. But I am excited. Um, I do feel the electricity in the air. I feel that the heat of the takes that are already going to happen. So I'm excited. Hopefully, this is uh, hopefully this is the first of many extremely good takes that people are going to hear from me.
1: Stephen, is this the true initiation? Is this where we find out if Andrew can hang?
0: <laughs> yeah, because oh, actually, yes, it, it is. He's laughing, but it actually is because this, these are the type of staples that are literally the epitome of Buckeye talk. It's predicting things. It's having some level of fact behind it, but it's also just understanding that you're probably going to be wrong
1: a year from now when we look back on these. Well, we usually don't wait a year. We like to remember things people say on Market Down Monday and to remind them of them Every single week during the season, if especially if it is not going according to plan, same That's as right. for driving the bus, same as any prediction. They they you wear them. It's like Flava Flave's clock, except it weighs like a thousand pounds, and you have to just drag yeah. it around throughout the whole season. We've only got four or five of these to go, by the way. Preseason camp starts Thursday at Ohio State. The first game, that's August 3rd. The first game is September 2nd at Ohio, Indiana. So you can do the math there. I think we've got this one. I think we've got four more. So it's a a lot of big topics that we'll be hitting between now and the start of the season. But today, we are talking about Buckeye Grove. We are talking about All-Americans. And this is something that always helps us get a real clear picture of the star power that we think is on the roster. We are predicting who we think gets a tree in Buckeye Grove. Now it's, it's kind of a modified version of that because I'm limiting us to the five major all American lists. Ohio state goes broader than that. Ohio state. If you make an ESPN list, a CBS list. uh, I think Noah Ruggles made an ESPN list a couple years ago as a first teamer that gets him a tree. We're limiting it to the five unanimous consensus all America lists, which are American football coaches association, Pro, uh, uh, Football Writers Association, AP, Sporting News, and Walter Camp. And that helps me get a context for some of the things we're about to talk about here. But how much, Steven, do you look at an exercise like this and having it open your eyes? If you think this team has a lot of first-team All-Americans or you're suspect about how many first-team All-Americans it might have, does that change how you think of the ceiling for any given team?
0: I think with Ohio the state specifically,
1: yes, especially on defense,
0: just cuz it's a little more free-flowing with defense. So, if we get to the end of the year and there's like six guys where we're like can make a case that they deserve to get one all cuz that's all you need is one of those five to give you an all-American first team all-American bid and you get a tree. If you get to the end of the season and there's six guys where you feel like that defensively, that means that you think the defense is going to be pretty good. I think offensively, the names are so established at this point in some of these spots that it's a little harder to get larger than maybe four or five. I actually listed out everybody that I think could do it in a perfect world scenario, and I got around like 13 to 15 names. A lot of that was defense, which shocked me at first, but then I remembered that, oh, that's because the offense is pretty easy because some of those names it's just can they do it again while also being – a bigger name coming into the
1: year already. First team All-American on these this short of a number of lists is a – that's a tough needle to thread. Like it means something to be a first team All-American on one of those five lists. Ohio State has not had a huge abundance of them in recent years, but really they do better than most programs, obviously. You wouldn't be surprised to hear. I I threw a a list at you guys. You know, Ohio State had um, uh, just – last season only – two on these major lists. So that was Marvin Harrison Jr. being a unanimous pick, Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, but since 2014, and I, I like to use that, you know, the playoff era is like an easy shorthand. And now this season, it kind of rounds out a very easy decade for us to look back on. They've had four seasons where they've had at least four, consen- four All-American, four first-team All-Americans on one of those five major lists. 2018 is the only year that they had none. So pretty consistently, four, three, two, uh, 2018, had zero. 2014, the only one was Joey Bosa, and he was a unanimous pick. But it, it's a pretty consistent, small group that you get every year. But it's it's really not that small when you think about how few players are are up for that sort of award. But there's one position that is glaringly absent from the list that I sent you guys and glaringly absent from Ohio State's All-America list going back now a while. Andrew, how long would you think it's been... I don't know what sort of research you did. So I'm asking you because you're the most blind on this. Just, 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 just guessing off of reputation. How long since Ohio state has had a first team all American quarterback? Oh boy. Oh man. On one of these major Um, lists, but I think it's actually the first time they've had any first team all America quarterback, not just the five major lists.
2: So when, Wow, I I did not research this. So this is a good question. Uh, Good job. Yeah. That's what, um,
1: yeah. Thank you. Man,
2: I don't know. Um I'm going to I'm trying I'm trying to think of names. I'm going back to like Joe Germain. Like I don't know if it's got to be somewhere I'll say I'll say the 90s whenever Germain played.
1: So so not quite that far. Do you know when it was, Steven?
0: Yeah. Um uh, you said just first team all-American quarterback? Well, correct. in 2006, 1-1 oh, the Heisman, and his God. name is Troy Smith, <laughs> and he's from Cleveland, Ohio, who we work for.
2: Can uh, we restart this we podcast, please? We t- Can we no. please restart nope. this podcast?
1: Nope. nope. You got to sit in it. Oh, my God. That's, that's like that's, oh you just fumbled no. at the goal line, and and now you just have to eat it. That's how it works here on Market Mark Down Monday. That's uh, how it works here on no. Buckethead Talk.
0: I don't nope, know if he was that a is. unanimous.
1: Yeah, no, I, do, I, don't, I don't know off, he, off
0: the top of my head.
1: I believe he was unanimous, but he was the last first-team All-America quarterback from a major list for Ohio State. Troy Smith in 2006, but that's now coming up on 17 years since Ohio Mm -hmm. State's had a first-team All-America quarterback. And so here's the thing. All of these major lists have only one quarterback on first team. Like They'll have two running backs. They'll have two or three receivers. You have a mix of different defensive positions. But the most important position and the one that you put a special kind of athlete at only has one on each team for these major lists. And the reason it's been a problem is that if you don't make first team All-American on a major list, you can't be in the College Football Hall of Fame. So there's some pretty great players. The one that jumps to my mind from um, the previous job I had was Drew Brees not eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame, like someone that good. And Ohio State has examples too. Right now, as the rules are made, Justin Fields, Heisman Trophy finalist, CJ Stroud, two-time Heisman Trophy finalist, would not be eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame despite the success that they had. So that's something that people have been kind of crowing about wanting to change, but it does help explain a little bit why Ohio State hasn't had one since then. But I guess the question I'm asking is, is there something, do you think this drought ends at some point soon and what will that take steven
0: yes i do the problem is the only way you can guarantee it is if they win the heisman and they i mean they're going to keep getting cracks at it right i think we've reached the point where the expectation is ohio State starting quarterback is going to be in new york until until one doesn't get to new york so he'll be in consideration but to your point because it's only one spot and the Heisman has basically become a quarterback award, unless your name is Devontae Smith, and it's very obvious that you're the reason why your team is so good and not your quarterback, it becomes a, do you think Ohio State starting quarterback is going to win the Heisman Trophy this year conversation? And I don't know that yet. I know we have a market down Monday for that, and I don't want to spoil my decision there, but I think that Every year at this point, it's probably fair to assume that they'll be in the conversation for it. And at some point, one of these quarterbacks is not just going to be a finalist. They're going to win the award, which automatically gives them at least maybe three of them. Because I know there have been years where the Heisman Trophy winner wasn't the unanimous first-team All-American quarterback. Other guys have made it. But the only way you guarantee it is winning the Heisman Trophy. Or if just there's just the Heisman Trophy voting is just so spread out through the four guys
1: who make it that three of them end up on All-American lists. So last year and the year before, C.J. Stroud was by many people considered a frontrunner for the Heisman Trophy going into the final weeks mm-hmm. of the season. Justin Fields in 2019. Now, Joe Burrow was was walking away with that, but he put up a Heisman Trophy caliber season. There's other years mm-hmm. where Justin Fields would put up the same year and taken that to New York with him. He might have been the, the the winner of that award. So, Andrew, as someone with the, the greater broader football perspective on this does it feel like something's missing for an Ohio State quarterback to have a first team All-American which as Steven is saying means essentially winning the Heisman Trophy a lot of years or is this just simply a matter of timing like getting the year right where your guy is the one of the three or four that gets the win against Michigan and, and finishes you know puts an exclamation point on the season or just doesn't run into a borough like year? Yeah, I
2: think it's timing. Um, You know, you look, you mentioned the run into a borough like year. I mean, think about the last couple of quarterbacks that Ohio state has had, like CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins. Like these are first round quarterbacks. Like these are guys that the NFL values as, okay, this is one of the, not only one of the best quarterbacks in college football, this is one of the best players in college football. So, you know, I I think that it's, it's pretty clearly a timing issue. Like, you know, you mentioned a burrow like year, like there are just years where you kind of look at the numbers and we're like, oh well, nobody. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna be, you're not gonna beat that. You know, you just can't beat those numbers. Like I look at this year, and this year is gonna be really hard as well. Caleb Williams exists. Like Caleb Williams is really, really good. There are people like we do this every year or every couple of years. It feels like with a quarterback who is really good everybody like kind of just says oh well like you know we'll just kind of wait for a year and like teams should start to lose in the NFL to play for this guy and then like somebody'll float should he sit out like Caleb Williams is that type of player but then you've also got Drake May like Drake May is really really good too and i remember like talking to people at the combine like other writers who cover college football nationally and they were like don't sleep on Drake May to be the number 1 overall pick in the 24 draft Like, which I disagree with, but that's the kind of level that we're talking about. So I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it's going to have to be in the future. It's just, you look at some of the talent that other college teams have had, that other college teams have put out, they can put out really good players too. It doesn't mean Ohio State's guys are any less good. Is there, I mean, they've been first round picks for the last handful of years. It just means that other teams have really good players too.
0: I want to push back on that a little bit. I think... In contrary, that helps Ohio State this year because, well, first of all, the last two people to win it have been first-year starting quarterbacks, Bryce Young and then Caleb Williams. Well, Caleb Williams is kind of a first-year starting quarterback. He stole the job. One and a half. But it's hard to win the Heisman two times in a row. You have to be significantly – there's a reason only one person has done it because now we're judging you by that standard. So if Caleb Williams looks wonky for a week – it hurts him more than it hurts somebody who hasn't won it, the same way it was with Bryce Young. Drake May hasn't won a Heisman, but everybody's talking about him and, and Caleb Williams as like the second coming of great quarterbacks. Even this past draft, it was like, would you take Drake May or Caleb Williams or the cur- current field? And a lot of people said Drake May and Caleb Williams. I think that's in favor of uh, whoever the starting quarterback is at Ohio State because he is kind of a unknown, and so he's working from scratch and not working against whatever his reputation is i Quinn Ewers in that as well. He's not viewed the same way those two are from an NFL draft standpoint, but this dude was a perfectly rated recruit who was supposed to be the next generational quarterback. And those three names right there already come into the season with expectations. Ohio state's quarterback comes in with the expectation of being good, but there's still that. Are they going to be as good as CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins until they prove it. So I think that helps. The fact that Ohio State's quarterback isn't fighting against their own reputation already.
1: Yeah, we've talked about that before on Buckeye Talk, you know, the Spencer Rattler example where you come Mm -hmm. in with just crazy expectations to start the year where it's almost like your award to win and then things don't go that well. And I think you're right uh, that being the the reigning winner is a, a bigger hurdle to try to jump. I think that doesn't happen in conference awards, but it certainly happens with the Heisman because people think of it differently. And so for common and Devin Brown, you guys have already listed some of the other contenders this year. Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels uh, from LSU, Texas's Quinn Ewers. You heard of him. Uh, Clemson's uh, Cade Klubnik, Florida States, Jordan Travis, Doug has talked when he was uh, still uh, around, uh, how much he likes him. Uh, Washington's Michael Penix Jr. I've talked before how I'm not sure I believe in that candidacy. Um, a a Bo Nix from Oregon. You could start throwing in people like JJ McCarthy or Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. And you've got, if Carson Beck wins the Georgia job and they're great again, like what does he do? And the, the issue is in, in those, in these past, since 2014, five of the nine years, one person has swept all five. Caleb Williams did it last year. Burrow did it in 2019. Mayfield did it. 2017. Jackson did it. 2016. Mariota did it. 2014. So, Heisman Trophy winners just sweeping all five. Kenny Pickett did peel one away from Bryce Young in 2021. Trevor Lawrence peeled one away from Mac Jones in 2020. I think Doug was leading that vote with the football writers that year because he wanted partially they thought they needed to make sure that Lawrence was eligible for the Hall of Fame someday because that was the the way that that is made up. Tua in 2018, Tua Tagvaloa from Alabama actually made more lists than kyler murray who won the heisman trophy and deshaun watson uh won four in 2015 but baker mayfield took one of them uh from the sporting news so it's the question isn't i guess whether uh, an ohio state quarterback it seems unrealistic to think that one of these guys sweeps all of them with caleb williams sitting out there with so many other quarterback talents it's just whether or not you can have a good enough season combined with maybe the favorite caleb williams Maybe he doesn't play a full season. Maybe something happens, and you can peel one off. Uh, just quickly, the odds that you guys think in Ohio State quarterback could even crack the top three and make one of the top three. I mean, we're talking about Heisman finalists. Actually, forget that, because we're going to talk about Heisman finalists later. Uh, so we're, we'll come back to that in a couple weeks on I'll, I'll it Down Monday. But one thing I did want to ask is, when you look at this Ohio State schedule, because we've talked about how... There are some challenges here. Road game at Notre Dame, very marquee game. Home game against Penn State, where Penn State could still be undefeated, and so could Ohio State. Very marquee game. A uh, game at Wisconsin, the fickle storyline. Uh, who knows what Wisconsin's record is at that point? Going to be a, a huge game, possibly in primetime from the reports that we've heard. You've always got the Michigan game. So huge games sitting out there for this quarterback do you think that schedule is a benefit to their candidacy or is it a detriment because it just makes it that much harder to go through unscathed?
2: I think it's a benefit. Number one, Um, I think it's pretty clearly a benefit actually, like just in terms of kind of how it's spaced. I mean, you start the season with a big 10 opponent. So, you know, that's going to look, we're going to see who does, who does USC play week zero? Is it like San Jose state or something like that? Like it's some low level, G-5, like you're going to see the highlights of Caleb Williams throwing five touchdowns that week, but you start off with a Big Ten opponent and you get a chance to say, hey, look, you know, look at what I did against a Big Ten opponent compared to a G-5 opponent. You know, there that's right off the bat. Then by the end of September, you're playing Notre Dame. And like you mentioned, that's a huge marquee game. That's a huge game where people are going to watch. That's a huge game where... It's going to be one of the bigger early tests. It's it's going to be one of the bigger games early on in this season, just in terms of college football as a whole. So that's big. Then a month later, you play Ohio State and Wisconsin back – or excuse me, Penn State and Wisconsin back-to-back. So those are two games where you have to win, and those are two marquee games. I mean, those are going to be crazy atmospheres. Then a month after that, you play Michigan. So it's nicely spaced out to where – You can kind of stay in the spotlight the entire time, if that kind of makes sense. Like, if you played Notre Dame, had a bye week, then played Penn State, Wisconsin, and then played no one for six weeks, I mean, when you play, and and with all due respect to the no ones, like when you have to, when you play Michigan State, when you play Indiana, when you play Rutgers, you have to keep up a very, very high level of play to keep people kind of watching you. And I think that what this schedule does is it spaces it out well enough to where you're kind of always going to be in the spotlight. So I think it's absolutely a benefit.
0: I think this, whoever's a quarterback comes in already with the the CJ Stroud case built in where big numbers in games where everybody's watching that for two years, that was CJ Stroud's case. He just fumbled it at the end when they would lose to Michigan, but it was after the Michigan state game in 21, it's like, Look at those numbers, and that's supposed to be a top-ten team, in the entire world is watching with College Game Day here. That looks like your Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, CJ While try- even with losing Jackson Smith the jigma this past year, the numbers were all there. He just had to go claim his award against Michigan, and he couldn't do it in that moment. But that's – I think Ohio State's quarterbacks coming into the season are always going to have that case because of what this offense is – and what their opponents are. There's going to be enough games on the schedule where the entire world's going to be watching you because they're big games. And this offense, you're going to have 4,000 yards and you're going to have 40 touchdowns. That's just how this offense works. Now, what you do with it and to add context to help you move up that ladder, that's on you. But the stage is already set for them to be positioned to be in the conversation for a first-team All-American spot. They just got to go do things to actually lock it down and not, you know have it, and then you play Michigan, and then you lose it. As C.J. Stroud admitted at the combine, he said he probably left two Heisman's
1: on the, tro- on the table because he lost to Michigan. Yeah, I think, well, as we said, it's hard to win them back-to-back, but certainly in 2021, yeah. it was there for him to win, and it it slipped away. And uh, one of the many what-ifs that Ohio State football has, has lingers for them these last couple years. Come back in Segment 3. Stick around for Segment 3, I should say. Don't skip Segment 2. There's a lot of meat coming up in Segment 2. But stick around for segment three, because that's what we'll be marking it down. And we'll see if any of us picked an Ohio State quarterback to be a first team All-American this year. More about the offense and the defense and who we think some of the candidates are when we come back from this break on Buckeye Talk. we're marking down Ohio state's all Americans for the 2023 season. And for both of you is the question, not whether Ohio state will have an all American receiver, but whether it will have two. Yes.
0: Which I have been sitting here while we, I was preparing for this going back and forth and whether that's possible because one of them is probably going to be unanimous again, unless he just gets abducted by aliens for a couple of weeks. So it's like, do Voters get fatigue on the Ohio State guys in a world where you only get three wide receivers per team. Are voters really going to put two guys on a first-team All-American list, or are they just automatically going to move the other guy to the second team?
1: Andrew, as you were picking your receivers, did you think it was possible or unlikely that Ohio State could have two receivers twenty twenty three, And obviously we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. And then whether or not Emeka Buka can be the second guy to crack through.
2: Yeah, I just didn't really even consider that to be a possibility, to be completely honest with you. I just, I mean, I thought just the numbers you would have to put up and the level of play that you would have to reach. I mean, you would have, I mean, it would have to be his, I mean, one of the things I didn't look up before this was how many times that's ever happened. Like, you have two receivers on, you know, a first-team All-American team. I don't know from the same team. I, I don't know how many times it's ever happened. Um, but I would assume if it's ever happened, it hasn't been many times. So, I, I just – I you know, for me, I, the level of play to sustain would be really, really difficult. And considering, like I said, the numbers that you would have to put up, considering the, the style points, so to speak, that you would have to earn throughout the season, I, I just – I kind of disregarded that pretty quickly. I, I didn't even really consider that a possibility.
0: The last time you know, it
2: was probably reasonable to
0: happen was 19 with LSU. when Jamar, Justin Jefferson had 111 catches and 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. And Jamar Chase had 84 catches for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. I mean, individual you put those two teams on separate teams. They're both first-team All-Americans. They're probably unanimous first-team All-Americans. Jamar Chase was a consensus All-American, and he was also the Blitnikoff winner that year. Justin Jefferson didn't make any other teams. The four wide receivers who made All-American lists that year were Jamar Chase, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, and Devontae Smith. So to the point of like that could – Emeka Ibuka has said that him and Marvin want to be Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Well – That means somebody's got to be the Justin Jeffersons whose numbers don't get acknowledged the same way. And in that situation, it was the slot guy, and Emeka's the slot guy. And we maybe just won't appreciate Emeka for what he truly is until he gets to the NFL, the same way we're seeing with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson right now.
1: And I was actually – I forgot to double-check this before we started to see which lists. I know that the Football Writers Association of America does do three receivers, Mm. So Mm -hmm. that opens it up a little bit, but in the past, you know, even in years like 2021, you know, Garrett Wilson made it for them, but the others were Jordan Addison from Pitt, David Bell from Purdue. Like it's, it is really tough to get two guys on there. I told you guys before we started that we should kind of, you know, head and make sure not, not tip our votes. I think the fair one to go ahead and tip is Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, he's returning unanimous all American. Uh, the only returning All-American on the roster. So does he go in the Wyatt Davis, Sean Wade 2020 conversation of so much name recognition that he's almost guaranteed a spot? I mean, I think it's even more than Jackson Smith and Jigba a year ago at this time, just because Mm -hmm. Smith and Jigba was very little All-America recognition. I think he may have been second team for somebody or maybe first team on a lower, a, a lesser list. Can we picture any scenario where Marvin Harrison Jr. plays a full season and is not a first-team All-American for someone. No, he.
0: I think he's a unanimous All-American amongst the Buckeye Talk crew. I, maybe he's not a unanimous again this year, but he's gonna make at least one. Probably most of them, unless something goes terribly wrong
1: here. What if? <sighs> Because it's different. I mean, for the All-American list, I think it's different than Heisman. I don't feel like Marvin Harrison Jr. has to go out and reprove himself to an even different level. Uh I think people – it's almost like you get to carry forward some of last season's accomplishments. The the name recognition helps. And in his, the name recognition is is double because it's not just his name. It's it's something that people already were – Um, When he was born, his name was synonymous with wide receiver excellence. So that definitely helps him coming into this. Andrew, what do you think someone like Emeka Abuka then needs more? Does he need production? Like a a stat line that people just can't ignore? Or if there's still going to be too much of that that goes to Marvin Harrison Jr. first, does he need the plays? Does he need the moments, the highlights, the things that people the head-turning things, is that enough maybe to push him across the edge and make him a first-team All-American?
2: That's a good question. Um, I, I I think I would have to lean probably the stats because Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, we talked about this uh, last week where uh, I think it was last week where we were like, all right, Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, what does he have to do to be in contention for the Heisman or what does he have to do to be in contention for you know Big 10 offensive player of the year like like how does he win it how does he not win it like how is it a like how does he win it over a quarterback like we kind of had all that and and one of the things that we discussed was like how our defense is going to play Marvin Harrison and if if you put Marvin Harrison Jr up against you know double teams like every week the talent you're still going to see because he's still going to be able to go out and, and moss somebody and, and just make a great play. And you need somebody to pick up the slack there. I mean, if, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is getting doubled all game or the defenses are doing kind of unique things to try and take him out of it, then Iqbuk is going to be the guy who you have to go to because he's going to be one-on-one a lot of the time. So, yeah, I mean, you can make a great one-handed catch or a great you know end zone catch or a toe tap or whatever – you know, a winning touchdown against Notre Dame, whatever the whatever the situation is gonna be, whatever the head turning play you're kind of envisioning in your mind, it's gonna be a little different if at the end of the game he's got four catches for fifty six yards. Like like that's not gonna be what you look at and say, Oh, well he's an all American now. That's what is gonna make him an all American Go ahead.
1: No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: No, no, no. That was pretty much it. Like that, you are going to need some stats out of that, just because you know the the great plays are great, but if you don't have a statistical backup to that, when the other guy is on the other field on the other side of the field, getting double teamed like crazy, or getting trying to every team in the world is trying to take him away, then I mean, I don't think you have much of a case.
1: Let's leave the receiver room. Let's switch to the backfield. Does this backfield split and this offense leave any room? for I'm, I'll say Trevion Henderson more so than mine Williams to reach a first team all America season, Stephen. One more
0: thing, actually, I figured it out in 2019, Alabama had three wide receivers who made it all American team. Two of them did it as a receiver and another one did it as an all purpose. And that's Jalen Waddle. So, I mean, okay. he's their punt return. Mecca book is punt returner. They sparingly use him on those jet sweeps, so if he gets more explosive in some of those areas, that's how he does it. That almost
1: goes to the plays over production, then.
0: Right, right. That, yeah, because I, I mean, he can do it if he. I mean, he had a punt return for a touchdown last year, just got called back because I think a holding penalty or something. But with the running back situation, I, uh, I don't know if Travion can do it. And it's not that I don't think he can't play at an All American level this year, because I think he can. I just don't think that his numbers and his usage will be in a way that allows him to get an award like that and with an All. I think, I think there's a world where he's a unanimous All Big Ten selection, but he's not a unanimous All American, or he doesn't make any All American teams. If that makes sense,
1: we're looking around. Just the big 10 at other major running backs, you know, Blake Mm -hmm. corn from Michigan, uh, Penn state's Nicholas Singleton, uh, Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. It's, it's a, it's a tough group that's out there. The one thing I'll say for Trevion though, is that happens to be with this schedule, three head to head examples, at least depending on who they then face in the, big 10 championship game too if you get a rematch with Wisconsin it could be a double shot of Braylon Allen I'm thinking back to 2019 when there was a definite Jonathan Taylor J.K. Dobbins face-off that was happening you know and we we sort of posed the question and and pulled people around a big 10 like who's better between Dobbins and Taylor and there was a real debate that season because uh, Taylor is obviously great and has shown himself to be great in the NFL but J.K. Dobbins had an amazing season, as people remember, in 2019 with 2,000 yards and just a whole big pile of touchdowns. How much did you consider Trevan Henderson, Andrew, when you were looking at candidates and does the fact that we don't look at him as a like bell cow, every down, <clears throat> full share of the first string offense running back get in the way of his candidacy for something like this?
2: Uh, well, I'm going to go back to something I said. Um, I don't know if it was the recruiting pod we did or whatever, but anytime someone kind of says something that I thought of on my own or I researched on my own, a little bit more weight leaves my shoulders. And Steven was kind of on that thing with me. I don't think so, but I think first, I, I think all, you know, all bit 10 is possible. I just, I look at this position and unless, I, I think just stylistically, unless you have. A John Robinson, unless you have, like you mentioned, a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins, I wouldn't really feel comfortable with giving a player the workload necessary to earn that. I think, I mean, it can be a good problem. It can be a bad problem where you don't have a true number one, or you've got a couple guys who you really just want to get on the field. Like, And, and I think that's kind of the position that Ohio State might be in right now. So yeah, I, I just don't think Injury aside, obviously, I don't. I don't think you're going to have the workload available for uh, for him to to make an All American team. I just think the difference between Travion Henderson and a lot of these
0: other guys, even if he isn't a five star talent, is those guys were all the engines <clears throat> of offenses. I mean, Justin Fields was awesome in 2019. I know that, but. J.K. Dobbins was the engine behind that offense. Bijan Robinson was the engine behind Texas's entire college football program for three years. Braylon Allen is going to be the engine at Wisconsin, even if they are going a little bit more air raid. He's still their best player. Nicholas Singleton is pr- is probably going to be the engine first, and I know they've got a tandem as well, but Nicholas Singleton's probably the the engine there. Blake Coram and Donovan Edwards—they're the engine at Michigan, even with. Uh, JJ McCarthy being who he is Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams are not the internet of Ohio state. They're very talented players, but the engine is this passing game first. Now, if we get back to a world like 2021, where Travion Henderson's got, what do you have like 1500 yards rushing and he had a bunch of catches as well. And it was a, a real threat in the pass game that creates a different conversation, but the running backs were just not a factor in the passing game last year. While, also being hurt so you can't have one without the other he would have to have 1600 rushing yards and maybe 300 receiving yards and maybe i don't know 18 touchdowns on the ground and another like five through the air to be in this conversation because then that's a different conversation of making him the engine of why ohio state's offense is so good because right now that's not going to be the case it's going to be marvin harrison jr and mecca julian fleming and whoever this quarterback is
1: What do you think Steven motivates Trevian Henderson in a situation like this? Because my read on him, he has talked about ever since he was a prospect that being the engine, being the guy who gets all the carries is not necessarily his motivation. Mm -hmm. I think he he wants to be respected for what he does on those plays on the carries he does get more than he wants to be the guy who has to get all the carries. Does that make sense? Do you think that is a an accurate way to look at him? Because I think that's the more important thing to Ohio State's offense this year is getting back to a place where you're getting – those guys are both healthy, Henderson and Williams, and then getting whatever help you have from Dallin Hayden and, and, and on down that. People can go back and listen to Friday where we were talking about the running back situation. It's getting that – I think they need all-American-like production at running back on a snap-to-snap basis. I just don't think it has to all come through him. I think that that's what made
0: Trivion Henderson such an intriguing prospect coming out of high school is that he could do so much with so little. He averaged the first down a carry in high school in Virginia. And then he got here, and he immediately showed that explosiveness. He averaged 6.8 yards per carry his freshman year. Now, I know... I mean, we talked about that at length too, how much of that was the Tulsa game where he was running all over Tulsa, but that's always been the thing with him is he didn't need 200 plus carries to have 1200 rushing yards. So if he gets back to that, where it's like he's such a home run hitter that every fourth carry is going for 15 plus yards. That's how you get a guy who as a true freshman broke Ohio state's record for the most total touchdowns by a running back since Maurice Claret. If he gets back to that, That's what makes him so valuable because you're pairing that with Mayan Williams. And it's also why he's okay being, I don't need to get the ball 300 times because I'm so awesome in the 180 times that I get it, which also plays to the point where it makes him have to sacrifice individual awards. But I think people who watch football, especially NFL scouts, will appreciate a guy who's averaging almost seven yards per
1: carry. I want to transition over to defense now for some topics. And Ohio State has not had a first-team All-American on defense. Do you remember when the last one was, Stephen? Actually, Um, before you answer that, before you answer that, before you answer that, I want want Andrew (laughs) to guess again. Since he's – I want him to guess based on, like, reputation and what he knows about Ohio State. Can he remember the last – can he guess the last Ohio State first-team All-American on defense? One thing, though. before he says it
0: if he doesn't get this one right it's even more embarrassing than not knowing the Troy Smith one
1: yeah um I, oh, I don't I think that's true see, actually maybe you don't remember the last one
0: no 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 okay well because of where he's from the area
1: of the world well, that Andrew is from nope, nope, it's embarrassing you don't remember the last if he one either know it. you don't remember the last one either
2: oh oh Okay, well, I, I was going <laughs> to say Chase. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Chase Young. Um, You're both Haskell wrong. So was Steven. That's
1: Steven was yeah, going has to has say Chase Young.
2: Yeah, Haskell. I completely forgot Haskell nope. Garrett got a
0: first. Who was it? Nope.
1: In 2020, the COVID year, Sean Wade was a consensus All American. Oh, uh, Sean Wade, cornerback. Huh. Yeah, Sean Wade. Now, there's a reason you don't remember that one, and it's because. Through no fault of, of Sean Wade's, that was a, a jacked-up year. And I think, again, it com- This is that was a name-recognition situation, frankly, more so than it was performance on the field, because that was a secondary that had issues in a lot of ways at, at times and got exposed in a couple of games that year, even before you got to the playoff, before you got to the Alabama game. And he had some plays and he had some moments and he's, his name was out there as a guy who was maybe opting out. And I think that publicity carried over into some of this voting. Cause people weren't sure who to vote for in mm-hmm. such a messed up year. I sound, I, I every time we talk about this, I feel like I'm trashing Sean Wade and I'm not, because I thought he was a tremendous football player, especially in 2019 and yeah. the role that they had him in. And he was just a little bit miscast as a cornerback in 2020. But yes, the year before that uh both Sean, uh, both, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda were unanimous All-Americans and fully deserving of that. So, Stephen, does Ohio State, I feel like we ask this every year, we've asked this at least the last couple of years, does Ohio State have to have a first-team All-American on defense in 2023 in order to truly break through back to, not the 2019 level, we always say that that's an outlier, but to break back into the tier that they feel like they should be in? I think, they need
0: a, I think they need at least one guy who actually is a first-team All-American. Like He's on the list at the end of the season. I think they need two or three guys who are at an All-American level where they're in the discussion to get back to that level. And I know I, you're right. We've said this for multiple years now. But this is the year where it feels like it's a reasonable expectation with what they have coming back. There's guys who have played – meaningful snaps for two years now and are coming into their third year doing such it's not a unrealistic thing if I say I should be able to look at the season and at every single level of the defense there's a guy whose name is on the table to be considered to be a first team All-American
1: Andrew as you've been preparing for this season and, and, and reading all the various coverages do you assume that somewhere on this defense there is a first-team All-American lurking, and does that give you? Is that an indication you think that this defense is potentially poised to take a step forward?
2: Yeah, I, I think there is. Um, you know, you you look at uh, like you look, I think one of the things that I that I considered for this too. Was obviously you look at the talent we've talked about individual names um, you know for for a week or two that I've been on here like we we've talked about the individual guys I don't think you can really discount going into year two of a defensive coordinator I think that you know last year everything was so new you're learning everything now all of a sudden okay these these are guys who have played in this system these are guys who have been around now these are guys who have not only had an off season and a season they have had. An offseason and a season and another offseason and another summer. And now they're going into another season. Like like they've been around a little bit. And I just think it allows you to play faster. It allows you to play more freely if you kind of know what you're doing. If you understand the defense better. Just experience. You mentioned the guys that have played for a handful of years now. Gets if you get regular snaps at a college level, now all of a sudden you don't have to worry. You have the coordinators settled. You know, you you've got that, uh, you've got that kind of under wraps. You've been around. You've played in college games. Now you're able to play more freely. I just I think the talent is there for uh, for that to be the for that to be the case going into this year.
1: I think there's something to be said for narrative too. That if this team really does make a surge defensively, then they're gonna, people are going to be looking for the responsible parties, and they may anoint mm-hmm. Jim Knowles as that, but they may also be looking on the field who was the guy who was responsible for making that happen, who was kind of the face of that defense. And do they deserve to be a first team all American Stephen? If I were to tell you, cause we talk about alien abductions all the time, let's say, yeah. let's say instead that I found a time machine, uh, here in my basement, uh, where I'm recording this now. Cause, uh, cause Doug recorded in his basement so often over the years. Um, and now that's where I'm set up for at least the time being. If I, one of these weird little, uh, uh, doors that I have that apparently has uh, utility meters or something behind it. If I opened one of those and it was a time machine, I went into the future. I came back and I said, Ohio state had one all American on defense this year. And it wasn't Tommy Eikenberg. He was still like unanimous second. team. <laughs> so Ohio yeah. state has one all American on defense at the end of this year. Is it more likely to come from the defensive line or the secondary? Man, that's a good question. That's a pod question. I'm going to say... (laughs) Good thing we're recording one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'm going to say defensive line just because it's easier for them to get the tangible numbers needed. Because even Jeff Okuda, you had to watch it to know he was playing that well. He only had three interceptions and two of them came... They came in back-to-back weeks, and two of them came in one game, with, and one of which he was just lying on his back, and it just came to him because Adrian, Adrian Martinez isn't very good. With defensive linemen, they can just rack up numbers. With cornerbacks, it feels very matter-of-fact, where you start to notice it gradually that they're shutting down a side of a field. So, And, I, and then with safety, it's kind of the same thing. There's so much built into, oh, they're going to get tackles, that you got to be stupid good to – be considered all American level.
2: So I'll say defensive line.
1: Andrew, do you have an opinion on that?
2: Uh, No, I I mean, I think Steven's right on the money with his kind of reasoning. Like it's, it's harder to get the tangible numbers. It's harder to get, you know, the, the eyeballs, because if you're doing your job at corner, I mean, frankly, like just teams are going to shy away from you. Like teams are not going to put the ball on your side of the field, but in terms of what you can do on the defensive line, uh, they can't they can run away from you technically i guess but teams are still have to pass the ball so yeah i, I, I do like that take i think defensive line is more likely than the secondary
1: all right enough chitter chatter let's come back from this break and let's mark it down how many all americans will how state have in 2023 you're listening to buckeye talk
2: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and
1: entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The
2: show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal
1: on Spotify. Get the text 614-350-3315. It's a great week to sign up for them. Because preseason camp starts Thursday. We're going to be bringing you updates. We're not 100% sure what the viewing windows are going to be as of the time we're recording this. But when we know, we will probably let you know. So you'll know that we'll be bringing you information from what we see. What the quarterbacks look like. How the defense is lining up. Where's Sonny Styles, What's going on with the offensive line? We'll be sending you all that stuff. 614-350-3315. If you're unfamiliar, three ninety nine dollars a month. But there's a two-week free trial, and that's why this is a great time to sign up because you can get information from us from camp for two weeks, and then if you don't like it, you push you say stop, and it stops. It's that simple. Thanks for all of you who have stuck around with us as Buckeye Talk tech subscribers. Uh, We're glad to have you, and it's fun interacting with you. uh, I was trading texts this morning with people who were commenting on stuff from Big Ten Media Days, and and, uh, we love those conversations, so keep them coming. All right, let's mark it down. Let's get the easy one out of the way first. Is anyone not putting Marvin Harrison Jr. on their list? No.
0: I, in fact, I saved them for last because I, I wanted to be able to finish up easy so I could actually think for a little bit.
2: Boy, that would be a really good way to introduce myself to Market Down Monday to say that <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to be an All-American, right? Uh, fortunately, I'm not going to do that. I have a brain.
1: Marvin Who? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, this is. It, it's been a while since Ohio State had someone who seemed like this much of an All American lock before the year. Would you say, Stephen, that even like, would like Chase Young was not? I think even this much of he was not a he was not a unanimous All American the year before coming back. Like the, the as we said before, the odds of Marvin Harrison Jr. not making a an All American team are very long. This it seems like a very 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 secure bet if that bet is even out there
0: the chase young's feel s- similar to jackson's a little bit where it was i'm um, jackson's yeah. like just counting numbers were better for what his position is but this is the idea of like okay here we go here it is probably joey bosa because joey bosa was an all-american the year before that and then it was like okay here we go we're gearing up for another season Hopefully the counting stats aren't like Joey Bosa's though, because they quadruple teamed Joey Bosa all season, so he wasn't allowed to do anything. Hopefully that for Ohio State's sake, they, they well, need that to not happen with Marvin Harrison Jr.
1: I they might say that they might say the opposite. They might say, go ahead and quadruple team him. That means you're leaving hope and that's a fair. whole bunch of guys. I I don't think that's, that's gonna true. be a a, a tangible, uh, realistic strategy for anybody that's out there. All right. That's fair. So Let's go with Andrew. Any other offensive players that you're marking down as Ohio State All-Americans in 2023? No other offensive players I have on my list. Steven, any other offensive players?
0: Yeah, I, I included Donovan Jackson in this as a second-year guy who he had his ups and downs last year. His PFF grade was 767 Former five star recruit, it was just kind of like, okay, when's Donovan Jackson going to be a starter? And by year two, he was a starter. I thought he got better as the season progressed, and I think year two, being a starter, he's clearly the best offensive lineman on this team. Um, outside of Olu Vashanu, I don't know. He can maybe make a case that he's the best, the second best offensive lineman in the in the Big Ten. By the end of the year, I think that's possible. It's been, it maybe on the interior especially. I, I think that's out there for him where if this running game gets back to where it's supposed to get to, he can't be Wyatt Davis 2.0, who was an All-American, his first full year as a starter in 2019.
1: That is true. Now, Wyatt in 2020 did run into some injury things he was playing through. Yeah. He didn't, I don't think, miss any games that I remember. In fact, he even played uh-huh. in the – Michigan State game, I believe, and he might have been the only starter in that group that actually played yeah. in that game. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a very weird a weird year. Man, that was a weird year. Uh, but it, but something was not right with him for most of the year, and that was obvious. And I don't know if it ever mm-hmm. really got right for him, because it hasn't hit in the NFL certainly yet, the way we all thought it would. But I, I think you make a good point. I, I, I do think that so I'll go ahead and say I also had Donovan Jackson down, but I it would be more does he make can he make one list? You know, Harris mm-hmm. Johnson Jr. as good as he was last year. He did not make all five lists. So that tells you that there is a lot of of talent out there. But when you start talking about you know the the best NFL draft talent and stuff, everybody focuses on the tackles. I think if you are an exemplary interior guy or even just a really strong one on a team like Ohio State, it really raises your chances of making a list like this. So I like his chances because of, well, two, two factors. Number one, the fact that he was a five-star, the fact that I think if you were to look at NFL draft list of the top interior linemen going into this year, his name's going to come up on those lists right now. And people look at those lists when they're figuring out their all American ballot at the end of the year. Uh, But also I think there's, there is something there like Ohio state, Coaches and players have seen something in him that maybe hasn't been fully unleashed on the field yet. Remember Kevin Wilson talking about him Mm -hmm. a couple years ago and how uh, he was just not a a normal dude. Like there's something there. Like there's, he's going to, there's, there's something there that's, and I think this is the year for it to break through a third year, second year as a starter. I think he's going to do it. I think he can do it and make, one team. So that also is only my only other offensive player that I'm marking down as an All-American in 2023. Steven, did you have another? I didn't. I, you do.
0: I thought about oh, Yeah, I'm- I thought about I thought about Kay- <laughs> I thought about Caged Stover for 2 seconds, but Brock Bowers is probably going to just sweep that with all five, um especially this year cuz he's probably their only weapon right now. Um I don't cover Georgia, so maybe there's some other guys who have emerged. I it's weird to say though. This might be the best offense in the country, and we all, we're we sitting here in the preseason saying that there's only going to be two All-Americans off of it. I hear you. Is that good? Is it bad, or does it not matter at all?
1: Well, again, I think that it's – it. okay, so last year, I mean, Ohio State was either first or second nationally in yards mm-hmm. per play, which is, again, my preferred – uh, shorthand for how good your offense is. They had two guys on this list, Harrison and, and Paris Johnson. Yeah. And if you extend, if you go wider lists, they also had DeWan Jones. But again, you're talking about two offensive linemen and a receiver. Those were the first team All Americans because CJ Stroud was mm-hmm. blocked. And that's the thing. If if you think Ohio State's going to have great quarterback play, but the quarterback is blocked, if you think they're going to have two amazing receivers, but one of them is so good that he's going to take all the votes, it, it's not really mm-hmm. so much that whether Ohio State only has two. All-American worthy people, it's whether they have two All-Americans. That's what we're trying to pick here, and we're taking all those other circumstances into consideration. Now, in 2021, Ohio State had four. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Thayer Munford, Nicholas Petit Frere. But in that situation, you had nobody that was blocking anybody else. I mean, Wilson and Olave, you could say they were blocking each other, but they were equal in terms of stature, in terms of esteem. Mm -hmm. Like People knew them kind of in a similar way and so they're going to both get support and same with munford and and petit frere so i think that's a good example of of the two ways that it could unfold and i think it maybe is just a little bit more like last year where stroud is the the quarterback is blocked your running backs can be productive but not any one standout guy that rises to first team all-american level and and then Harrison overshadows a Like we said, it's just hard to get two receivers because you're only voting. There's only a couple spots and the rest of the offensive line right now asking them to be all Americans is a little yeah. bit on the horizon. Like it's from first, yeah. it's more like, can you be one of the you know four best offensive lines in the Big Ten? And like that's maybe the first step. And because that's probably as good as they have to be potentially. With as mm-hmm. good as the the rest of the talent is here. All right, so let's let's flip it over to defense. Andrew, any other All Americans on defense? Just name one if you have multiple ones.
2: Uh, well, the first one that I went with was Tommy Eichenberg. Um, I picked him. I looked up for reference. I looked up the AP all American team from last year and the linebackers that they had on that list. They had three of them. Ivan Pace jr. From Cincinnati, Jack Campbell from Iowa, Drew Sanders from Arkansas. So I, I looked at those guys and I went, okay, you know, you've got guys who, what did they do? They racked up tackles. Jack Campbell had 125 tackles last year at, uh, at Iowa. Ivan Pace Jr. had 136 tackles at Cincinnati and nine sacks. And Drew Sanders at, uh, at Arkansas had 103 tackles and nine and a half sacks. So they kind of used Ivan Pace Jr. and Drew Sanders as kind of edge rushers. So w- what does that mean? Uh, Jack Campbell played as that off-ball linebacker um, you know, I mean, the year before he had 140 tackles, he had 125 last year. That's kind of the bar I think you need for Tommy Eichenberg. But I look at this and say, okay, well, Tommy Eichenberg had 120 tackles last year. He had 12 for loss and he had two and a half sacks. Like he, he, if, if he replicates that again, he's in the conversation, right? Like, and, you know, I think, I think it was Nathan who mentioned it at the top of the pod. Like if you get an improved defense. If you get a defense that, hey, they are kind of pulling their weight here, that's going to be something where people are going to look and say, okay, well, who's kind of leading this charge? And I think if you've got a linebacker who's got 125, 130 tackles this season, I think you're absolutely going to look at Tommy Eichenberg and be like, okay, well, there's the heart and soul of that defense. Absolutely, he's a first-team All-American. So I went with Tommy Eichenberg.
1: Steven, did Tommy No Thumbs make your list?
2: No Thumbs. No Thumbs.
0: Multiple All American lists. Yeah. Multiple. He was one of. Yeah, multiple. He, I have four defensive players, and I kept looking at it and going, why do I have four defensive players? But then individually, they all made sense. But Tommy was probably the easiest one because it's. I mean, he probably should have made a first team All American list last year. It's just. There are some really good linebackers out there, and Jack Campbell was in the Big Ten as well. Um, that, That one, it's not quite Marvin level, but I do think it's the next closest thing in terms of like, yeah, that guy's probably guaranteed to make at least one list.
1: He also made mine, and there are a couple factors here. I think Andrew explained a lot of why I picked him. Listen. Unlike some of these other positions where we're saying, like, man, you get squeezed out pretty easy. Every one of these lists, I think, takes three linebackers. So Uh right there, it's a little bit more open. If you're talking about just these five lists, that's 15 linebacker spots. It's easier to get that than it is, say, the the, the five quarterback spots, even the 10 running back spots. and And there's less than 15 receiver spots. So right there, your odds are better. The second thing I think that could happen is a combination of like who will be considered maybe the face of this defense, who is exempt exemplifies this defense. Who is Jim Knowles going to be talking about? If this defense does make a jump, who is he going to be talking about pointing to saying that's the guy who's the heart and soul of this defense. It's going to be Tommy Eikenberg. It is. I don't care how many sacks JT to out or Jack Sawyer or Mike Hall get. I don't care how many balls get picked off in the secondary Jim Knowles and Ryan day are going to keep coming back to Tommy. No thumbs, Tommy, no thumbs, Tommy, no thumbs. So, and on top of that, I think voters are going to look and see he was a second-team All-American like across the board last year. And, again, assuming a full season, the counting stats should kind of be there because of what we saw last year. There's, it's reasonable to expect he's the one in the middle of this defense, even if they are giving some more snaps to Cody Simon or somebody else, that he's going to put up the kind of numbers that will be at the top of the Big Ten again and will be an easy thing for somebody to say, um, okay, he's first team all big 10. He's uh, the, Jim Knowles. Won't shut up about him. The numbers are there. He was a second team all American last year. I think he could be the kind of guy that that's a, that's a lot of factors in your favor to make just one of these lists. So again, I thought not a super safe bet because I don't know if he'll have the, the viral, the, that like that thing that, 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 palpable thing that, like jumps off the screen necessarily but I but he kind of can sometimes like it, 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 we've seen him like you know go down in the hole and they hit guys and uh he he's he he definitely made a leap last year and now it's just a matter of building off of that Jack Campbell by the way though was a first round NFL draft pick by the Lions and people thought that was a little bit of an overdraft but still like that tells you like the standard that we're talking about here that it, these guys aren't slouches. So I still think Eichenberg can be in that conversation. Andrew, anybody else that you picked as a first-team All-American?
2: Yeah, I picked one more, uh, JT Tumaloa. So I went back and I looked uh, while we were kind of prepping for this pod. I pulled up a YouTube clip. Uh, did you guys know that he played really well against Penn State last year? That's crazy. I didn't know that. I had never heard that before. And, but I watched that game and the talent that you see from him is there, right? And I understand that was one game. And I understand we talked at Big Ten Media Day, like, okay, the consistency was the problem. Like, you know, that's a thing where this dude could not rep. I mean, it's obviously insane to kind of replicate that every week, but this dude could not do that consistently enough. I'm kind of buying the boon going into the year. I think that JT is going to have a really good year. Um, You know, we mentioned if this defense does turn it around, you know, this defense is what people think it could be. I mean, you've got Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker. That's going to be significant. But with JT, like I I do think if this defense is what we're kind of talking like it could be, you need somebody up front. And you need and obviously that can be my call for sure. But um, I, I just I look at this front four. And I say, like, you know what, like, I, I, I think that this I think that it, it was it was the what we talked about with with him at Big Ten Media Day. It was the, the focus on consistency from him. It was knowing that the talent is there. And it was kind of understanding that if this defense is going to be good, like to the level that you want it to be, you're going to have some breakout stars and you're going to have some breakout players. And, and I like JT to do that. So. That was the last one I picked, so I had three: uh, Tommy Eikenberg, JT Tuilomaolo, and and Marv.
1: Way to keep it conservative. That's that's that shows some maturity. Usually people come out and on market down Monday and maybe uh, a little over their skis, but you kept it you kept it tight. I think that was smart. That was a smart strategy. Don't don't yeah. go don't go overboard. I could have
2: picked like six and just tried to make people like really like me and just <laughs> been like, oh, the Buckeyes are so great, guys. Like just. Marv's got Kyle <laughs> McCord's going to win the Heisman and Marv is going to be an all-American and like Book is absolutely gonna be a fr- like I could have done I could have done that whole thing but I think three is fair I think people are gonna listen to this and say like you know what that's a reasonable case that's a reasonable thing to say
1: well it's especially funny because Steven did pick six and uh, including a, a, in over a third of the defense I assume JT2 and also made your list Stephen
0: can I introduce another player so I can make my point Sure Thank you. I had an easier time putting Mike Hall on this list than I did JT to him a little while. And the reason why is I went and looked up Jalen Carter's stats last season. He had 32 tackles, seven and a half, seven tackles for loss and three sacks. Mike Hall had 19 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. And two and a half of those came in a game where he only played seven snaps. And he was doing that with two bad shoulders and was basically out of the lineup for a lot of the second half of the season. Um, and I understand the stats are lower for Jalen Carter because they rotate on the interior at Georgia. They do that everywhere. Like, nope. There are not interior defensive linemen playing north of 50 snaps anywhere. That's ridiculous. So Mike Hall is going to be in a rotation with three other guys at bare minimum, maybe four other, depending on what maybe hero Canoe and some of those other guys do. I mean, Mike Hall, good pick by Nathan Baird last year to ride the bus for him. I just want that to see what that looks like over a 12-game, 13-game schedule. And it might – this dude might be a multi, a double-digit TFL guy and five, six, seven snap sacks. Like, all that's on the table for him in a way that with JT Tuyemoloao for two years has played meaningful snaps for Ohio State. And his stats are really good. 28 tackles, 10.5 are lost. Three and a half sacks. Those are good stats. Those are good stats. But he might just be an elite run stopper and not an elite pass rusher. And that's okay. So I had an easier time putting Mike Hall on this list. While with JT, to go back to when we did the market down Monday of who might lead this team in sacks, I had to have a, if I think Jack Sawyer is going to lead this team in sacks, what are the chances that he's the All-American and JT Tui Malo out is not? I ended up picking JT in the end because I think the overall game is better, but I do think there's a bigger conversation with those two in terms of who can be an All-American. While with Mike Hall, there's some good names in that interior defensive line, but I think we all agree that he's the
1: best defensive tackle on this team. I think he is the most Productive defensive lineman on this team, like the one that's and, and probably the best. Fair. Yeah, probably the best. Fair. The one that would the one that can be the most disruptive. Um, and I drove the bus for him last year, and that bus stopped short of predicting him to be a first team All-American this year. Oh. Only because. Only because. So it's not completely true. Like, so last year, Johnny Newton from Illinois, and now He is technically, I mean, he's a defensive tackle prospect for the NFL. I believe Illinois plays like a 3-4, and he's more of like an end in that system, but that's not a rush end. That is Mm -hmm. is really being more like an interior defensive lineman. He averaged 51.6 snaps a game. So there are systems out there where defensive tackles, interior defensive linemen will play a bunch of snaps. And I just wonder, again, do I think if we were expanding this out to like the pro football focus team – or teams like that, that maybe Mike Hall would have a better chance where you could have more analytically driven thought. If it's just the defensive tackles who pile up the most TFLs and sacks, will Hall get a chance to do that? I mean, I, I, I think it's I'm, – I'm really intrigued by him. I have always have been, obviously. But I think I want to see that, that actual numbers would be there in terms of this rotation because – you know, they leaned really heavily. I know he was banged up, but he was still playing. And they leaned really heavily on Ty Hamilton down the stretch last year. Now you've got, you know, Tyreek Williams coming into his third year. We've heard some good things about him. You know, Tywan Malone, they're really intrigued by what he's going to be this year. It's there's, there's several guys in the mix, and does he get enough snaps to get the stats to push himself all the way to, to first team? I don't know because as much as there is respect out there for him, Jalen Carter's All-American candidacy last year much of it was predicated on the fact that he was considered maybe the best defensive player on the previous year's Georgia team. Mm-hmm. That was the best defense in the country and one of the best of all time or whatever. Like he came in with this aura last year where like you he almost had to have a season that he had to give it away somehow. And when you factored in how much attention teams Paid to him and the stats that he still put up, that was going to you know push him across the finish line. And then, as it turned out, there were some off the field things that quickly followed that that might have actually, if they had happened any sooner, might have cost him in in, in, in that context. But um, his season wise football wise, he was helped a lot by what he had done the year before. And Hall, I think, in the Big Ten is respected. He got a first team All Big Ten, you know, Defensive Player of the Year preseason vote but I don't know that he's known nationally yet enough that that 21 would give him a, a high floor for this year. Yeah.
0: So JT two will low
1: out. Go ahead.
0: Plus I, I get my own. The only worry I did have, I, I think fair point, what you're saying. What another worry I did have is last year. Uh, Jalen Carter was the only true defensive tackle to get first team, not everybody else. Uh, Felix, um, Anuke Uzama from Kansas State, defensive end. Isaiah Foskey, defensive end. Um, Kaja Kensey right. from Pittsburgh, defensive end. Tuli Tupio Lodo from USC, defensive end. Verse defensive end. Tyree Wilson, defensive end. So it's right. a spot where it's it's not like they do defensive end and defensive tackle. They just go defensive lineman. Right. So if voters favored edge rushers and defensive ends over tackles,
1: that can leave my call short, even if he has that type of yes. season where he probably deserves I think it. you that's... Yes, exactly. And that's maybe something I didn't explain going in, that a lot of yeah. these teams, it's just four defensive linemen. You don't necessarily yeah. have to pick tackles. And that, uh, and even sometimes when you're picking a tackle, it's a guy who played both or something, and he played right. enough at tackle that you can justify it. So I, I think those things make it tougher as candidacy. To I think that it could very well be that Mike Hall is one of the very best defensive tackles in the country yeah. and has a great season and is a part of why this defense makes a, a jump. But as far as, like, whether he can do enough to get votes, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical there. So Tuoma Al was also my only other pick. Um, I, I think there's, as we've talked about before with him, I'm skeptical of the pure sack totals, just as, as you guys are. But I also think he now has enough recognition, partially because of that Penn State game, that he is, that people recognize how much of an all-around talent there is there. And that that will help just get his name out there, get the recognition out there. And then I think there's that that game still shows you that there is something here that he can build on, that there's something more that if he finds the consistency, I think it could be a pretty easy vote for someone for him to make first team. So that was my last one. Those are my four. Harrison, Jackson, Tumaloa, Eichenberg. Andrew, you had the same, except with no Donovan Jackson. So, Stephen, you said that you have at least one more on defense, correct?
0: Yeah, that's it. I just have one more. And I think he's the ultimate flyer one, but I just feel like the way they've talked about him since Jim Knowles has got here and he's gotten healthy, it just feels like they're getting ready to do some stuff with him and turn him into a weapon. And I wonder if turning him into a weapon turns him into an all American where it's, I mean, the counting numbers and it's like, we're not even, we don't think he's that good, but for some reason he's playing at an all American level and it's Lathan ransom at safety. The other two safety spots are maybe Sonny styles is a starter. Maybe he's not, maybe he's got like that strong nickel role against certain teams That other nickel safety spot, we're not sure what's happening completely yet. We have ideas, but we're not sure. The only thing we know is that Lathan Ransom is a starting safety somewhere on this defense. And Perry Eliano said it post-spring, the way that Jim Knowles has talked about him literally since the first day of fall camp last year. They see something in him the same way they saw some things in Tommy Eichenberg And coming off of last year, which was literally just a breakout year for him, 74 tackles, three-and-a-half tackles for loss, one-and-a-half sacks, a pick, three pass breakups, a fumble recovery, and I think he blocked two punts, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's ready to take a next step. And Tommy might have 100-plus tackles. Lathan might have 90. And he might just do some other stuff to where if Ohio State's defense is better and you're looking for reasons why – and Ransom is on that list in a safety-driven
1: defense. So just for historical context, that would be six first-team All-Americans. It and I'm would. looking back, 11 Warriors has a good list that tracks this year by year. I am back to the mid-'70s. I do not see more than five All-Americans in a single— Look, 1974, yeah. Iowa State had six. Uh, Archie Griffin, Kurt Schumacher, Steve Myers, Tom Skladny. Van Decree, Pete Cusick, and Neil Colsey. So, you'd have to go back 50 years (laughs) to find the last Mm -hmm. time Ohio State had six first-team All-Americans. I was curious. I thought you were going to pick Ransom because you've been kind of a Ransom guy. Yeah. Uh, And I I thought you were going to pick Ransom. I wondered if you would pick Burke. I considered Burke. I just don't know if he's even going to be their best cornerback this year say, I think. And so that made him hard to pick, but also not knowing for sure. If Davis and Nick is even a starter on this team, not knowing for sure that, you know, we saw so many good flashes from Jordan Hancock, but did we see like all American flashes from Jordan Hancock? Uh, The coaches might say otherwise they certainly thought they saw, you know, starter caliber flashes. So, I couldn't quite get there with any of the corners. I think that we had a rapid fire question that we haven't answered yet about the, the position group that needs to improve the most in order for this to be a national championship team. And I think it's cornerback as compared to last year that if, if they still have sketchy cornerback play, they're going to be vulnerable in important ways. But if they get the kind of cornerback play that they think they're going to get, then that really stabilizes a big important part of this defense. So Ransom was a Thorpe Award semifinalist last year. His name is out there. He'll be on watch lists and things to start this year. And again, I, I think you're right. It comes down to what is the role he has in the way that Knowles sees him and the way that Knowles wants to use him. Because if he becomes a someone in the secondary... Like, we've seen him make plays. He's been a playmaker. He's had interceptions. He like you said, he blocked the punts in back-to-back games. Uh, I think one punt he broke his thumb on. Yeah. The Maryland and went game. back out and, and, and broke blocked one. Uh, So, you know, th- that's his, it's part of his, his persona is a guy that makes plays and you get in a starting role and you're healthy. That's the other thing about him is having a whole nother year under his belt of, at, of a regular off season. Like how much, how much did his time from January to nowish, help make him a better football player. When last year it was just about repairing the leg and being able to get back on the field at all. I think that it makes him an intriguing player for this year too. the The, the thing that's hard to predict with safety is you probably got to get a bunch of picks. You got to do something that stands out statistically, and that's just an impossible thing to predict. But if you're going to predict it, predict it for the guy who has shown himself to be a little bit of a playmaker. So that's, Six guys on Stevens' list. Marvin Harrison Jr., Donovan Jackson, Tommy Eichenberg, JT Tumaloal, Mike Hall Jr., Lathan Ransom. It would be a historic run of of first-team All-Americans for Ohio State. And a lot of people are predicting them to have a bunch of first-round, high, second-day NFL draft picks. So it's maybe not out of the question to be that optimistic about how many you could get. I think they certainly have. There's maybe even other guys that we haven't mentioned. You mentioned Cade Sober in passing, Stephen. I don't know if this team is just ever going to have the targets yeah. for a tight end to be a first team all American.
0: No, I, I think the best you could ask for is what kay did last year. 36 okay. catches for 406 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that's the most the Titans had here in quite some time. Now we can revisit this in two years when Jelani Thurman's a third year guy and have some fun with it then. But the way this offense works and this way that Brian Hartline's recruiting this receiver room, it's just why would I throw it to the tight end when I can throw it to the five star receiver who might be a
1: top fifteen draft pick? Andrew, you were around NFL talent a lot last year, um, on a near daily basis. You're in NFL locker rooms. And are you you think that gave you some perspective now to when you're around NFL or around Ohio State players that you're gonna have some indication from what you see on a field, from what you see, just the way guys carry themselves. Does that, that next level talent, that all American talent tend to stand out?
2: Yeah. You know, I think so. Um, you know, I, I think it would be a little bit harder at a place like Ohio state to, to kind of decipher that because Ohio state is one of the top programs in the country. Like, I mean, if you're talking to, uh, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um, you know, if, if you're talking to Trey Hendrickson, you know, who went to FAU, like, I think he's a li- I think he's one of those guys who you look at and like, okay, that's a different dude. Like, I think, I think you can just kind of tell some of these guys, you know, that is just a different breed. Like that kid is just a really, like, he just, I mean, I mean, you know, that. I mean, you guys know this, like there are kids who walk in the building at 18 years old as early enrollee freshmen and you probably, you guys go, whoa you know, that kid's big or that kid looks what he just looks the part. And, and I'm sure that there are players who in, you know, in the last couple of years where you've thought have looked the part and have not been that level of player that you thought they could have been. But to me, I think there is, there is a difference, right? Like there is a, there is a level from, Oh, Hey, look, this guy's a really good college player to, okay, this dude is different. Like, okay, this kid is a different type of player. This kid is a next level player, so I do think that there is there is a level. I think at a place like Ohio State, you have to look a little harder for it. You have to look a little closer for it. Um, but in terms of kind of what a, uh, in terms of kind of what like an All American, what an NFL player looks like, there there certainly is a is a way to tell. I think early
1: on, we'll see how many they've got once this season gets going, and that's with preseason camp starting on Thursday. That's it for this Market Down Monday. We've only got four of them left, so make sure you're paying attention. We'll be coming to you every Monday with our predictions for the season. Congratulations to Andrew for getting through his first one relatively unscathed, and we'll see how it shakes out over the course of the year. We'll be back on Tuesday. Stephen, what do we have coming up on the pod this week? So we're going to get into some season stuff. Uh, Nathan and I, on Tuesday, we'll
0: be talking offensive, previewing the offensive side of the ball I want us to both come to the table with five, with a question for each part of the offense on Tuesday. That's offensive line. That's tight in that's quarterback. And the pressing for the quarterback can't be who the starter. Well, actually maybe it can't be because that's all that actually matters right now. Running back every position group on the offense. And then we're going to flip it. The defense for Wednesday's pod and do the exact same thing. Just an interesting question you have about this team headed into fall camp. And then on Thursday, Grab your keys, get in your bus, go pick up your guy, and then drive him because we're going to be driving the bus on Thursday right as we get into fall campus, it starts on August 3rd on Thursday.
1: And that's something we should probably be able to loop our tech subscribers in on. So, again, 614-350-3315. You get to participate in things like that on the pod. We do some surveys, and your voice gets to be heard here with the rest of us. So, for Andrew Gillis… And for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk.